2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Paul said exactly that. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. It is my privilege and honor to be here with you tonight to proclaim God's message on the subject of are we distracted by our job and our money. Those are things that are definitely near and dear probably to the heart of each one of us. But friend, the Bible does have somewhat to say on the subject of distraction. So I want you to think just kind of generically with me from the Scripture for a moment about God's teaching concerning distraction. The Bible teaches that as a child of God, I want my life to be free from distraction and service to the Lord. Write down if you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 7, verse number 35. The Scripture says, Serve the Lord without distraction. As best as possible in my life and in yours, we want to give full service to God without the distractions of this world. And then, of course, the passage that was read for us tonight illustrates that idea as well. Luke chapter 10, verse 40. It is recorded of the good woman Martha, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Even in good things, like the service of Martha, she became distracted from a greater purpose and need that was right before her. Then in the King James Bible, in Psalm 88, verse 15, there is a passage of great despair where the psalmist says, I am afflicted from my youth. Uh, before I was even born, he was, I'm ready to die. From my youth up, he'll say, the terrors of you are upon me. I am distracted. The, the difficulty, the challenges, the afflictions that man faced caused him to lose focus on what was really important in this life. And I'm reminded of the parable of the sower. That seed that was cast among the thorns. Mark 4 verse 19 says, And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in, choked out the Word, and it became unfruitful. Friend, it is a reality tonight that if every one of us is not careful, we can let things distract us from our main purpose of serving God. You know, that word distract, used in uh, 1 Corinthians 7.35 with a negative participle, and in Luke 10 verse 40, is an interesting word in and of itself. I don't want to go too deep into it, but I want to say a few things about that word. The Greek word, paraspao, is a combination of the word draw as well as uh, the preposition peri, and that word, uh, let me kind of explain that to you. The, the, the preposition peri or peri kind of has the idea of to draw or to carry in a circle, to go around in a circular motion. And then the Greek word spao literally means to draw, but not as drawing with a pen or a pencil. It's more of, especially used in the Bible, it's used more of one drawing in sword. And so imagine somebody drawing their sword and waving it around in a circle, maybe to uh, distract their opponent. Maybe they're waving their sword and another avenue of attack comes. And maybe you've seen something like that. I kind of think of it this way. Did you ever maybe roughhouse with a brother or a sister or, or maybe a friend? And you say to him, you say, now, 
watch this fist right here. And he's watching this fist. And you're moving around and say, now don't take your eyes off of it. Watch the fist. About that time you kick him in the shin. Well, you distracted him, didn't you? You was waving that around in a circle. He was watching it. And then attack came from another way. That's kind of the idea of the Greek word paraspaho. To draw away, draw out in a circle is kind of the idea. And when you think about distraction, isn't that how it works? It causes us to focus in on one or so many multiple things that we lose focus of what's really important. Maybe the idea of a, a smoke screen or the old red herring kind of carries this idea out. I recently read about that. I want to share something with you about the red herring. You've probably heard of that. It's kind of a smokescreen or something. The history of it's kind of interesting. A red herring is something irrelevant that is raised as a distraction. It may have its origin in Britain during the British fox hunts of the 18th century. Anti-hunting activists supposedly used smoked herring which has a brownish-red color and a very pungent smell to lure the hounds away from the proper hunting route. By drawing a red herring across the path, they sent the hounds, the foxhounds, on a wild goose chase, if you will, for something that was all focus, a distraction. Uh, maybe I can illustrate it this way with one a story that kind of illustrates this in my mind. We had been here in McMinnville about four years, I think, and Bernie Hillis, who I'm afraid some of you probably know, at Central had invited us, invited me to go coon hunt with him. Uh, so I decided that would be good for the kids to see that. So me and both kids uh, go up to Irving College around Hills Creek and we go coon hunt with Bernie Hillis. I should have known when we got there and his dog named Buzzard that this wasn't going to be a real good trip. But nonetheless, we went coon hunting with his old dog Buzzard up at Hills Creek and Irving College. And me and the kids get out of the truck and Bernie and another man are there. And so we got flashlights and lanterns and we're headed down the uh, hill here. And so the dog, I thought, man, that's a pretty good dog. Not long after being out of the truck, it lit onto a coon and thought it had one tree. But Bernie said, hmm, that coon moved or that dog did one. So it's chasing again and it's up another tree, we guess. And, but it does that several times. And Bernie said, something's not right. Y'all better watch out. And about that time, Bernie hollered, look out, here comes the dog. And that dog had got on a skunk and got sprayed. We spent the rest of the night running from that dog that got distracted by a skunk. What happened? It lost focus. Smoke screen, red herring, chasing a skunk instead of a coon. Why do we say all that? Friend, that's what distraction is all about. And it so easily can happen before I even recognize that it's happened. And so the encouragement tonight is realize first and foremost, this is a reality, especially today. Listen carefully. I know somebody else is going to talk about technology, but friend, especially today, this is something every Christian has to be on guard against. Now, if we're really going to do ourselves justice, though, in thinking about a distraction, we need to kind of back up for a minute and think about where our mind and our focus and our attention really needs to be. Where does my focus as a Christian need to be so that I can be aware of getting distracted? Well, each of us realize the kingdom needs to be our focus, right? Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus said, Seek first. Make it your priority to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't lose sight of the 
wonderful divine purpose of putting God and His church first. You know, we think about our purpose. Our purpose as a Christian is to glorify God, right? 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul said, whether we eat or whether we drink or whatever we do, we do all to the glory of God. Isaiah 43, verse 7, God said, everyone whom I've created, who's called by my name, I've created him for my glory, says the Lord. I'm here and you're here to glorify God. We want to let our light so shine that men may see our good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. Don't lose sight of the, the purpose that that's what life is about. Don't lose sight of the fact that I'm here to live and give my life for Jesus Christ every day. Do you remember the words of Galatians 2 verse 20? Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And friend, if there were ever a motto for every Christian, this is it. Philippians 1 verse 21, Paul said, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's our purpose. That's the, the main focus. Those are the things that we want to make sure we don't get distracted from along the way. And friend, this is what makes this so challenging. When the devil distracts me, he draws me away. Other things. You know, you've heard somebody say, I've got so many things going, I'm catching myself coming and going, I'm going in circles. Well, that's kind of what the devil does. The devil may not come to you with the ball and chain that he wants to shackle you with. He may not try to immediately deal a death blow, but if he can distract, if he can weaken, and over time cause us to lose our purpose, friend, he's got us right where he wants us. Let me share a passage with you that shows that getting off track leads us down an evil path. Would you open your Bible to the book of Proverbs chapter 4? I want you to look in Proverbs chapter 4. <clears throat> That's Proverbs chapter 4. I'd like for you to look in your Bible with me to verses 25 through 27. And I think this passage, as well as any probably, illustrates the need not to get distracted or you're going to end up on the wrong path. Proverbs 4, look in verses 25 through 27. The Scripture says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. Now notice, don't turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. What's the emphasis there? Stay on the path. Keep looking ahead. Keep your focus where it needs to be. If you look to the right or the left, you're going to get distracted and likely end up down the wrong path. And so the devil wants to distract me. He wants to distract you. But we have what we need to overcome that. Now, let's deal more specifically then. Now that we've seen what the Bible says about distraction, needing to keep our divine purpose, let's deal specifically with distraction from job and money. And friend, let me say this up front. Having a job is not evil. In fact, that's a good thing. The Bible says if a man won't work, neither shall he eat. Money in and of itself is not intrinsically evil. A job's not intrinsically evil. Both of those things are given to man, can be used properly, but if those things distract us from our main purposes, 
That's where they become a problem. And so I want to share with you tonight three examples. An example of an individual that let their job distract them from a higher purpose. An example of an individual who let their money distract them from a higher purpose. And then an example of both, where a man let his job and his money distract him from the most important thing. Let's look at that first. Let me share with you an example of somebody in the Bible who got off track because of a job, even a good one. Would you open to the passage that was read tonight? Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 10. And when I think of somebody who got distracted from a a better purpose, a grander purpose, I think this is definitely the one. Look in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10. I want you to look with me in verses 38 through 42. Here's what the Scripture says. Now it happened as they went that Jesus entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now watch this. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. You know, when we think about this, we think, boy, Martha, you know, she really didn't have her focus where it needed to be. But I want to ask you to think about this a little further. Let's say the Lord was coming to your house tonight. Let's say the Lord's coming tonight to my house at 106 College Street. What's the first thing you're going to do? Well, I know what's going to happen at my house. We're going to first think of all, first thing, what dirty laundry do we probably want to pick up, right? Wouldn't you think so? What do we need to clean up in the house? What do we need to fix? What are we going to serve the Lord? Hey, this is a great, he's a great guest coming into our house. We need to tidy up. We need to have something to serve him. We need to be a good host. It'd be a great honor. And Martha's probably thinking like that. I need to put on my best for the Lord, as it were. But Mary, she's sitting at Jesus' feet, listening and hearing the words of Jesus. Greatest purpose ever right there. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to His words. Now, can you imagine the audacity of Martha next? You know, there's some people in the Bible who make some very odd requests of Jesus. In Luke chapter 12, the man who comes to Jesus and says, Lord, in essence, my brother won't split the inheritance. Tell him to do so. Uh, James and John's mother, who want to know if her two sons can sit on the right and the left hand of Jesus' throne. And then Mary's, Martha's request right here just strikes me so odd. She comes to Jesus. Lord, my sister has left me to serve alone. Would you tell her to get in here and help me? Now, can you? I've, I've been in situations like that between siblings, hadn't you? This sounds like, again, some things that might happen at 106 College Street when Nathan hollers down, Dad, Hannah won't help me do the laundry. Tell her to. Or Hannah hollers up, Nathan's not doing the dishes. Tell him to come help me. Well, that kind of sounds like what's going on here, right? My sister's not helping me, Lord. Tell her to get in here. What was the problem? Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, friend, can I ask you to think about this? Was Martha doing something that was pretty good? She wasn't out doing anything immoral, ungodly, anything wrong. 
Is, does the Bible teach service is good? You bet it does. What's going on in this situation? There was a, a more pressing need. There was something that was more important sitting right in front of Martha, and she was missing it. What a privilege to be able to sit at the Lord's feet and hear His words. Martha's in the kitchen. Ain't nothing wrong with that necessarily. But man, shouldn't she have been out there listening to the words of Jesus? She was distracted with much serving. And the Lord said to her, Martha, one thing is needful. And Mary, she's chosen that good part which shall not be taken away. Jesus didn't say there are two things that are needed, serving and listening to me. That's not what He said. That's what Martha was doing. She was serving. But that one thing was more important. And Martha got distracted. Friend, when I think about our job, as we've said, there's nothing wrong with a job. Hard work is uh, looked at very highly in the Bible. Taking care of your family is a great thing. But if your job... Can, listen carefully now. This is the application. I don't want you to miss this. If your job distracts you from putting God first. What I mean by that is working in the kingdom, evangelizing, attending the worship services of the church, uh, doing what you can to glorify God as a member of the body. If your job consumes you so much that you can't do that, friend, it's become a distraction that you need to work on. Now, I understand we all might occasionally have to work a few more hours, might have to work a little late, might have to work a little overtime. We're not even saying that's wrong. But friend... What's the motive in doing that? Here's what I mean by it. Would you look in your Bible in Proverbs chapter 23? Turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 23. When I think about somebody who is, you know, just consumed and distracted by their job, I think to myself, why? Why is he doing that? What's the purpose? What's the, what's the motivation? And of course, the proverb writer hits on that motivation in Proverbs 23. Look in verses 4 and 5. Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5. Listen to these words. The New King James says, Do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding, cease. Will, your, will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle... Toward heaven. What's the proverb writer teaching us here? What's your motivation? Why are you letting that consume you? What's it all? Why are you doing that? It's kind of the idea. Do not overwork to be rich. Think about it. There are things that are more important than that in so many ways. And so Martha kind of stands as an example of someone whose job, even a good job of service, distracted her from something more important. Now, let's think about someone who let their money be a distraction to them. I'd like for you to open your Bible to Mark chapter 10 with me. As we share with you a second example from Scripture, I want you to think about a man who let his money distract him from what he really, really needed in this life. Turn to Mark chapter 10, and I'd like for you to look with me in verses 17 through 22. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. Here's what the Scripture records. Now as Jesus was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before Him, and asked Him, Good teacher, what shall I do 
that I might inherit eternal life or that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Then Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross and follow me. Now watch verse 22. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful. Why? For he had great possessions. Here's a man who's got a good heart, asking great questions, recognizes who Jesus is. Probably the greatest question you could ever ask. Lord, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to go to heaven? Say what you have, give to the poor. There came the distraction. Why'd that man go away sorrowful? For he had great possessions. Friend, when we think about the rich young ruler, you know, we don't we don't know all the details of what may have happened next, but we know this. That man's money distracted him. It got in the way of him putting the Lord and his kingdom first. Again, we're not saying money's wrong. Money can be used for so many good purposes. But again, listen real carefully. Don't let your money rule your life. Don't let everything you do be dictated by money. If that's the way it is, friend, your life's not going to be near as happy as it could be. And I know that because of this. There was a man who tried everything you could try in the Bible, and his name was Solomon. You read the book of Ecclesiastes, he had money, he had wealth, he had women, he had building projects, he got into garden, he got into music, poem, everything you could imagine he got into. You'd think that man would be living it up, right? You know what his final conclusion? He tried it all. Had more wealth than you could ever imagine. You know what that man's conclusion was? It's all vanity and like trying to catch the wind. Why? That stuff, and if I could say it this way, junk just won't make you happy. Friend, if that's where your focus is, you're never going to find real happiness and joy in this life. Now let's talk about the third man who let his job and his money get in the way of the supreme, the most supremely important thing you could think of. Open your Bible to Luke chapter 12, if you would. Luke chapter 12. We looked at an individual, Martha, who let her job distract her from a higher purpose. We saw the rich young ruler, and he let his money get in the way of the answer to living the best life and going to heaven, getting the what Jesus, what he asked Jesus for. Now we're going to look at a man who let it all get in the way of his soul. Luke chapter 12, I want you to look with me in verses 15 through 21. That's Luke 12. Verses 15 through 21. And he said to them, Jesus said to these people, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Now to illustrate that, here's what Jesus did. He told this parable to them, saying, 
The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. He's a hard worker. He thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. There I'll store all my crops and my goods. And so he's got a building project. He's working this job hard. Verse number 19. I'll say to my soul, soul, you've got many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He's set financially. He's busy working. He's a hard worker. He's tearing down barns, building bigger barns. He's got crops. He's set financially as it were. But this man got distracted. Watch verse 20. But God said to him, You fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose things will those be which you have provided? And here's the point. So is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. You know, this man's a pretty good businessman probably. Uh, he, he had a great crop year. He's working pretty hard probably. So much so that he's got another building project going on. Here's another job he's consumed with. He's consumed with his farming, working hard at that. Has a great crop year. Consumed with pulling down these barns and building bigger barns. He puts it all in the new barns. Is set financially. But you know what all that did for him? Those jobs and that crop that was going to be his livelihood. Maybe they distracted him from the most important thing of all. That man's number came up. His time was up. And you know what God said to him? You fool. Why? This night will your soul be required of you. Then all this stuff, the building, the, the wealth, the financial security, whose is that going to be? If you don't take care of your soul, listen carefully. This is the point that Jesus is trying to drive home. If you don't put God and your soul and making sure you get to heaven, none of the rest of this is going to matter. You could have the money of Ross Perot and Bill Gates combined. You could be the most popular, hardest worker and have the best job of all. But if your soul's not taken care of, that would be the biggest waste in all of history. That's what Jesus is trying to drive home. Don't let those things distract you from a greater purpose. All right, now, let me mention to you then some dangers that come along with letting your job or your money or anything else distract you. Why is this so dangerous? Here's why. If I let other things distract me, it's a danger because it can cause me to maybe lose focus and uh, get my guard down, not, not be on top of my game, as it were, in the fight against the devil. You see, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Uh, he's pictured this way in Job 1 verse 7. It's as though there is a, a heavenly council and the, the Satan comes before God and God says, where, where have you been? From going to and fro, back and forth on the earth. Have you considered my servant Job? We know what Satan was doing. He was acting like that roaring lion looking to destroy people's souls. And friend, the last thing I need is to get distracted when there's a lion on the loose, right? Last thing I need to do is get distracted if it's this serious. And my soul and the devil are that serious of an enemy. And so maybe the distraction might get me off my game, cause me to let my guard down. I recently ran into something that related to sports. 
that I thought kind of illustrated this idea. And I want to share it with you for just a minute about this. Uh, here's an example of how sometimes distractions can cause us to get our guard down. We've all probably played baseball or basketball. When you're playing baseball to distract the batter, you know, you, you chant at him. Or if you're in a coliseum and somebody's playing basketball, make a lot of noise and they'll put that on the screen and everybody hollers and they're shooting a free throw maybe. Well, studies have shown that we've kind of become immune to that. And so how do you distract somebody nowadays? Well, here's the thing that happened. Arizona State came up with something. It's called the Curtain of Distraction. It's a curtain that is hung by PVC pipes, and it's opened just before the free throw. And it reveals fans doing really unusual things on a screen. Here are some of those. Among them, you've got men doing calisthenics in, uh, in, in dress uniform. You've got... Uh, You've got unicorns kissing. You've got Santa Claus bear hugging an elf. You've got a man riding an inflatable duck. Now you just imagine, all that's up there and you're trying to shoot a free throw and that comes across the screen. That'd be pretty distracting, right? And it works. Here's how we know. 61% of free throws are made the year they unveiled this. Before that, the three years before... 70%. Knocked it down 9%. Friend, I'll bet, I'll probably imagine that's at least a game somewhere along the way. And so these distractions, if we're not careful, can get us off our game, can, can cause us to bring our guard down and really wreak havoc in our lives. Secondly, if we're not careful, these distractions can be deadly to our soul. Mark 8, 36 and 37, Jesus said, what, 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 what will it cost a man? What, what will a man gain if he loses their, what will it account to if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Friend, if I spent all my life chasing wealth and I had as much money, more money than I know what to do with and I was lost over it, would it have been worth it? Think about the rich young ruler. Went away sorrowful. Could, could have had eternal life. Went away sorrowful. It's dangerous, it's deadly, and we've got to be so careful that we don't do that. All right then, I want to conclude by giving some positives that will help us tonight. We say, okay, distractions, something I've got to be careful about. I want to stay focused on the purpose. I see examples of people in the Bible who got distracted. I know this is dangerous, but what can I do practically in my life to make sure that doesn't affect me? Well, let's end on a practical note then. What can we do to make sure distractions by our job and money stay out of our life. Well, here's some things. Some things that you've got to realize mentally and spiritually. You've got to realize these to be true. And you've got to live your life by them. Number one, realize that there are a whole bunch of things that are way more important than money and the job. I want you to listen real carefully. I want to say that again. There's a whole lot of things in this life that are way more important than money and a job. Now, friend, I'm not... I'm not saying be a loafer. I'm not saying don't provide for your family. But what I am saying is this. There are, I've got to come to the realization that there are so many things that I'm going to only have for such a short amount of time that are so much more important than other things. Here are some of those things, as we've mentioned. God, of course, would be at the top of that list. Mark chapter 12, Jesus is asked by a lawyer, good teacher, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first 
and greatest commandment. Friend, if I'm going to keep distraction out of my life, I have got to realize loving God, putting God first, making sure that, that He is the one thing in my life that takes precedence, that Jesus may have preeminence in all things. He takes precedence. Precedence. Colossians 1, verse 18. Christ must be first in my life. Philippians 1, verse 21. Christ is so much more important than other things. The Bible says in Philippians 1, 21, as we've mentioned, to live is Christ. To die, that's gain. That's what life is about. Living for Jesus each and every day. And then we mention this. Family is such an important gift given by God. You know, when you got kids and they start to get a little older and you think, boy, where did the years go? You look back and you think about things like that, don't you? Family is more important than chasing a job or chasing a career or, you know, seeking after wealth in this life. Here's what the Bible says. Children are a gift from God. Psalm 127 Verse number three. I want to put God. I want to put Christ. I want to, I want to put the family. That's something that's so much more important than chasing all the rest of this. I want to make sure that I put the church first. Matthew 6 verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. I want to make sure that as a Christian, that I, that I realize the supreme importance of trying to save the lost. Go into all the world and teach the gospel. Mark 16, 15. Jesus, in His ministry, He looked out upon the crowds and they were like sheep without a shepherd. And He was moved with compassion and He said, The harvest truly is plentiful. The laborers are few. Pray the Lord of hosts He'll send out laborers into His field or His harvest. There's so many things that are way more important than trying to chase a job. And again, I'm not saying don't work hard and I'm not saying money's wrong. Those don't need to distract us from some things that are really, really important. Secondly, here's something you've got to realize. You've got to realize that all the money, all the power, all the prestige, and the finest job in the world cannot save your eternal soul. Would you open your Bible to Mark chapter 8? I mentioned this earlier, but I want you to read it with me. Look in Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37. Mark chapter 8. What can we do to not get distracted by our job and our money? Let's realize that those things, in and of themselves, I don't want them to distract me because they can't save my eternal soul. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 and 37. Jesus said, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What's more important? Soul's the most important thing. What can I do to help myself spiritually? What can I do to help my family? What can I do to develop more spiritually? How can I grow closer to Christ? How can I have the mind of Christ? How can I walk in the footsteps of Jesus and walk in the light more closely? Those are questions that ought to really be at the forefront of every Christian's mind. The questions that ought not to be at the forefront is, how can I make more money? How, how, can I, how can I be more successful at my job? Friend, those things are not bad in of themselves, but don't let those things distract you, is what we're trying to say, from the main purposes. Friend, you've got to stop and you've got to ask yourself, why am I here? Why did God put me on this terrestrial ball? Why, why am I on this earth? What's, what's it all about? Is it about 
having the best job? Is that why God put me here? Did God put me here to, to line my pockets and to line my back? Is that why God put me here? Why am I here? Brother Thomas Warren long ago said it best. He said, this earth is a veil of soul making. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. This is my one chance to get right with God. My one chance to go to heaven. There won't be any more. And so the point we're trying to make is don't let inferior things get in the way of going to heaven and putting God first in this life. All right, let me give you a third thing to realize. Realize that there are a whole bunch of other things more important than a job and money. Realize that all the money in the world can't, can't save your soul. And then realize this. All the touchable, tangible things of this life are one day going to cease to exist. Why would I want to put my soul focus on something that one day isn't even going to be here, isn't going to last the test of time? Open your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 3. I want you to look in verses 9 through 12. 2 Peter chapter 3. I want you to look in verses 9 through 12. Notice what the Word of God says. Actually, 2 Peter 3, verses 10 through 12. Here's what the Scripture says. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Why? Because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, we look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Friend, if I were to put my soul focus trying to have the most prestigious job ever, or I let my job consume my life, or if I put my, as one of my main priorities, trying to acquire wealth, you know, that would be so foolish if all that's one day going to cease to exist. That's not why we're here. And so I understand we walk a fine line tonight. Christian's got to be a hard worker. Nothing wrong with a Christian having money in this life. But listen real carefully. I am here. And you're here to get to heaven. That's what it's all about. That's why God put me on this earth. And things that take precedence over that and distract me, I've got to get those out of my life to make sure that I stay focused on what I need to stay focused on. And so we come full circle tonight with 1 Corinthians 7 verse 35. Here's the encouragement. Serve the Lord without distraction. If you're not a Christian, friend, we want to encourage you to become one tonight. Won't you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? John chapter 8, verse 24. After believing in Christ, wouldn't you repent of sin in your life that may not be right? Luke 13, verse 3. Confess the beautiful name of Jesus before men. Acts 8, verse 37. And friend, won't you be baptized in water for the forgiveness of sin? Jesus said it so plainly. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that does not believe shall be condemned. Mark 16, verse 16. But maybe as a Christian, you've let distraction get in your life. Maybe you've even let good things, maybe even a good job, take precedence over what's most important. Or maybe wealth has had its run in your life. 
Friend, don't let those things get in the way of the most important things. Serving God, going to heaven, putting His church first. If you need to obey the gospel, friend, we beg you to do that right now as we stand and sing.